Yes. So speaking of not being sure if you have a brain, mm-hmm. uh, apparently when Randy was in the fifth grade, he had a bit of an existential crisis in class. Okay. And he went up to his teacher and he was like, how do I know if I have a brain? And your teacher, the teacher was like, what do you mean? Of course you have a brain. And he was like freaking out, like, do we have to like cut into my head so I can like feel that I have a brain? I'm not telling the story very well, but like. Nah, he, man, that's what really, MRIs are for. Yeah, he really like had a moment of like, but how do I, how do I know if I have a brain? Because I can't see my brain. Other people could maybe see my brain under certain circumstances, but, like, I can't see it. So how do I know what's there? No, fair enough. Fair enough. So the question, you asked the question in jest. I think you said, I think I have a brain. I don't know. And I was like, well, you say that, but I know of at least one individual who has genuinely questioned that. Yeah. No, I had a CT scan, like, in March of my head. So I am pretty sure there at least used to be one in there. I just think I've like, yeah, I don't know. I've just like pickled it in estrogen at this point. I think that's my yes. problem. It's fine. All the pregnancy <laughs> hormones just made it squishy. And it doesn't work as good. <laughs> it is like Swiss cheese. There are many holes. Through which things can escape. <sighs> We're doing good. We're doing so good. We're so good. Yeah. That's what I have to contribute to this conversation. Yeah. It's great. So we're doing good. How are you doing, Catherine? Oh. <sighs> I'm doing pretty good. I should have thought of an anecdote to say. Just how's life? Uh, life's pretty good. Randy is coming on Friday, which is very, very exciting because we haven't seen each other in three weeks. Woohoo! Yes. I mean, three weeks is a long time anyway, but he and I have been talking about how since getting engaged, it's like worse. Engagement is 100% the worst, like. (laughs) I feel like, well, it's also exciting because we finally will have our first marriage prep meeting um, this weekend. So we'll get to actually get into like some of the prep parts of things, which I'm excited about. Um. But I don't know. I also feel like we haven't had a chance to get super into the engagement phase yet because we've, we like got engaged and then immediately Randy had to move and now he's in the middle of searching for a new job. And so it's like we want to do things to like prepare for the wedding and getting married and stuff. But there's also like other more immediate things that have been in the way yeah 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 so it's like people say engagement is the worst and i'm like honestly it's fine right now i'll probably feel differently when it's like the wedding is in two months yeah it's just like you've made a decision 
and then you cannot act on that decision for like a long time and that's like a weird tension to be in Um, yeah that's true and like you have all of the like problems that you had when you were dating you know because you fight and you do dumb things because you're people but then also (laughs) it suddenly matters a whole heck of a lot whether great aunt martha sits at table three or table four and somehow you're gonna disagree about that you know yes all of these little things like take on like And yes, and it's sometimes it's like not even two of you think it's significant, but there's some third party that like cares a lot about the thing. I don't know. Neither of us are particularly well. Picky is not the right word because there are certain things that I'm like more particular about. Slash, he is. There's just not a lot of overlap between those two things. Um, but I think especially because we're paying for this wedding ourselves, our expectations are a lot lower because we're like, we're just trying to spend as little money as we can get away with while still having the wedding be nice. And I'll probably think differently once we can actually get more into planning stuff. Because honestly, all we've done so far is book the reception hall and the church. Both of which are important. And I'll start dealing with dress stuff soon. I pretty much know what dress I probably want. Which I don't think I've shown you. I should send you a picture of it. Um, but I'm still going to try on a couple anyway. Just to... Well, it's fun. It's fun to like try on like crazy things. Yes, even if you're like, there's no way I would like this. Yeah. Um... For me, I don't know if I told you what I'm planning to do, but basically there's some online bridal stores that have like cheaper dresses that are in like the hundreds range mm-hmm. instead of the thousands range. Because I'm like, I don't have the money to spend $1,200 on a dress. I just don't have it. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my plan is to do an at-home bridal store experience and do like there's some home try on options at some of these stores. So I'm just going to order a couple for mm-hmm. home try on and have like six. And see. Yeah. And just like have some girlfriends over to my house. I'll let you know when it's happening, but you might have a baby by then. There's also in Memphis, there's a really cool bridal store that sells like it's a, like a bridal consignment shop. And oh. so they have like sample dresses and like gently used dresses and stuff and that's where I got mine and it was really inexpensive maybe I'll do two things I'll go to Memphis and do one and then if I don't like anything there I'll (laughs) I don't know but my mom wants to be there so I'll need to yeah, but I mean, like, even if you just want to, like, go to a bridal salon just to, like, have the bridal salon experience, because they, like, give you fancy champagne, and they, like, I mean, they're trying to get you to spend a couple hundred bucks, so, you know, they're very complimentary. <laughs> yes, everything that 
you put on is beautiful and amazing. Yeah. Although, honestly, I feel like if I was going to do that, because that's why I kind of don't want to do it, because I don't want to be, like, sold to. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I don't know. I feel like I'd have to tell whoever's picking out my dresses, like, if you think I look bad in this, I need you to just tell me. Yeah. And, I mean, they were, like, they weren't pushy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no. They, they... They tack you up a little bit. And it's fun. Make you feel good and stuff. Yeah, but it was really nice because they were like, look, dress sizes are complete nonsense. Um, Bridal dress sizes are somehow even more nonsense. Because they can't just be the same as they are for other things. Exactly. And they're like, somehow. We we just aren't going to let you see the tag because that'll hurt your feelings. We're going to take your measurements and that's how we have all the dresses sorted. Is we've measured the dresses, and so, like, they're not by size. They're just by measure- measurements. Because I'm as, you know, I could be, like, a size 24 suddenly in, like, wedding dress sizes. Weird. Well, I will look into that. But, I mean, that's that's pretty much life. Is engagement is happening. And that's exciting. And I feel like it hasn't really hit me yet. Like, the stress hasn't hit me about it yet. But the farther we get into the process, I imagine, the uh, worse it's going to get. How are you? I am super pregnant. But <laughs> you're, you're like seven months pregnant, babe. <laughs> I'm, I'm eight. We're... Eight? Oh, I keep thinking your due date's in January. I'm it sorry. Is. It it's is. Wait, but January is. Wait. January is in two months. Doesn't that make yeah. you se- seven months pregnant? No, it makes you eight months pregnant. You're pregnant for ten months. You just don't know about it the first month. Well, that's dumb. Where'd this nine months shenanigans come from? So you miss nine periods. Oh, hypothetically. Yeah. Okay. So, like, technically, from when you, like, can know that you're pregnant to having the baby is nine months, and that's called... Oh, is that gestational or fetal age? Hold on a second. I always get these mixed up. Okay. Well, because, like, I remember learning that it's, like, really 40 weeks. Yeah. Gestation. Okay. So, uh, gestationally, it's 40 weeks. But fetal age, it's, it's, so, gestational is 10 months. The fetal age is 9 months. So what's happening in the first month to the fetus? Well, it doesn't exist for the first two weeks. Um, and then you and your husband, who you love very much. Um, <laughs> when a man loves a woman. <laughs> um, you, you do the thing. And the sperm and the egg bounce around for a while. And then... After the sperm fertilizes the egg, it just, like, floats in there for, like, a week before it decides whether or not it's going to attach to your uterine, uterine wall or not. Mm. Um, and so if you fertilize an egg but it doesn't attach to the uterine wall, that's called a chemical pregnancy because you will, like, test positive on pregnancy tests. Um, but it just, like, for whatever reason doesn't, like, take appropriately. 
Um, but then it, and then if it doesn't attach, that's like a, a signal that you should have your period and or if you didn't fertilize an egg. But if it does attach, that's what like stops your period. Okay. But you actually like, you do a fair amount of your super early development just like floating around in there, not attached to anything. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, the first week it's just, like, not attached to anything. It's just, like, chilling. Which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah. The things you learn. I learned something new today. I finally understand the nine months versus 40 weeks controversy, which has made me... Yeah, so 40 weeks is if you count from your last, like, actual period, and then the nine months is from your missed period. Ah, okay. Both are technically correct? I don't know. But, like, also, it's, it's not great because, like, they use your last period to, like, calculate your due date, but, like, depending on when you ovulated, like, that's also important but like slash if you have a medic slash if you have a medical condition which means maybe it took a month and a half for you to ovulate because yeah (laughs) that does happen to some women i.e yeah me so like it just kind of like so most women don't know when they ovulate When they get pregnant. And so the period, just about everybody knows when their last period is. This is why we just, we do our best with the tools we have, but in the end, you know, yep, he will just take the wheel. Speaking of Jesus taking the wheel, welcome to the Feminine Genus podcast. I'm Catherine Brewer. (laughs) I suppose I took the wheel on that, didn't I? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm Mary Grace Smith. Do you want do you want me to try that again? No, we're good. I don't think we're salvaging that. <laughs> All right. We're two Catholic women in science talking about faith, science, and how they meet in real life. I need to work on my segues, I think. I don't know, man. I, I think that was that was classic. I mean, and, and like, to be fair, I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like maybe, I was going to say something funny. Um, who sings that song? Is that, it's not Mariah Carey. That's, Carrie that's Underwood. Carrie Underwood. There we go. I was like, Mariah Carey is the Christmas lady. I know that's not right. Yeah, but I feel like Carrie Underwood, like, that's, like, our whole thing, you know? Like, I feel like she, she embodies... Uh, Carrie Underwood or that song specifically? Both. <laughs> okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, do you want to include the... And I dug my key into to the side of it. Pretty, pretty little souped up four-wheel <laughs> drive. Do we... <laughs> that song was my um, anthem, like, in middle school. Thank you very much. Did not when understand you... any of it. But it spoke to the soul. Even though, like, in context, 
there was like nothing about the song that related to your life, really. Gosh, now I'm thinking about when I was 12 years old and I thought I was deep and I tried to write a song. It didn't go well. I love it. I love it. Do you still have this song? <laughs> no, I'm sure I burned the notebook it was in many years ago. No, Catherine, <laughs> you can't do that. It's a disservice <laughs> to the world. <laughs> I promise it's okay. <laughs> no, I want to hear it. <laughs> it was it a Grammy Award winning song. It was 14 years ago. I do not remember that song anymore. I just remember there was a boy I had a crush on that I had like no chance with because he was like the popular kid like he was the kid who was like you know six feet tall at 12 years old you know like you could tell he was gonna he was gonna be troy bolton in a couple of years you know i i support you a lot and a big hannah montana phase oh obviously obviously are you kidding obviously Yes, I like begged. So Hannah Montana came to the Houston Rodeo when I was 12. And I like begged my parents for tickets to go see Hannah Montana at the rodeo. And we got to do it for my birthday. That's it was fun. very fun. The Cheetah Girls opened for her, but they were not the Cheetah Girls from the Cheetah Girls movie. I don't know who they were. But they were Imposters. not the same people. I was like, Raven Simone is not on that stage. <laughs> they probably couldn't afford Raven Simone at that. They point. probably couldn't afford Raven Simone. That's probably true. I did have a brief Cheetah Girls moment as well. But no, I for one of my birthdays, we went to see the the Hannah Montana movie about like making of the concert thing. Mm-hmm. That was fun. It was like it was kind of insane. Um, like, I, I remember very little about the movie. I do remember, like, having to, like, get there early. And, like, it was a big deal. My mom, like, got tickets for me and my friends. Because they were, like, a hot commodity. And it was, like, early in the days of, like, assigned theater seating. Like, I feel like that's, like, fairly normal. Mm-hmm. But, like, back then it was, like, a big deal that you had to sit in the specific seats that you had bought. Like, people had a fight. It was wild. But I remember nothing about the movie. I just remember it was a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what are we talking about today, my friend? No idea. (laughs) Oh, all right. Here we (laughs) go. It's kind of just like, we'll just talk for a long time and like, maybe we'll talk just enough where we don't have to have a topic. (laughs) I mean, we can we can go back to talking about Hannah Montana if <laughs> if you would like. It's an all banter episode. Cause yeah, I tried to think of something. I had something I had thought of. I can't remember it anymore. I I really got to start writing these things down. <laughs> I just I have a running notes tab on my phone of things. I like. <laughs> I don't know. I'm starting to look like a crazy person because I just have sticky notes. 
Yes, but it's like, but you don't understand. It's because I will forget if I don't have it there. I will forget everything. Much like your sweet husband. Just kind of all the time. Yeah, bless him. He tries. I love you, Thomas. I have not seen either of you in a very long time. <laughs> Excuse me. Um... I guess it's only been a month or ish since I've seen you, but it feels like yeah. it's been a long time. Well, it's been a th- three whole weeks since you've been to Memphis. Like, what are you doing? I don't know. I three went weeks three on, weeks on, three weeks off. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I am planning on being in Memphis like the whole week of Thanksgiving because there's a wedding expo in Memphis. Ooh, the fun. weekend the weekend before Thanksgiving and I was like, well it'd be stupid to go to Memphis for a weekend, come back for two days, and then turn around and go back again. Like that's really dumb. So I'm just gonna work a really hard week next week. Fair and enough. just stuff as much as I can. I might even like work that Saturday. Excuse me, and come up on uh like on that Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That way I can justify just being like I'm just taking the whole week off. I'm taking the whole week off. I know a lot of people only take 3 days, but that's the beauty of being a grad student is that I can just leave. I have worked on Thanksgiving <laughs> and Christmas the last 2 years. I'm taking the whole week off. I'll see you people when I get back. Yeah. Don't call me. I will not be here. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, it's it's good to have breaks, though, I think. I think breaks are really important. Yes, absolutely. And, like, even, like, being able to, like, look, f- like, I feel like the last, like, few weeks have been, like, I don't want to say, like, sufferable, like, I've gotten through them, but, like, I haven't been miserable because I know a week is coming where I don't have to do anything, you know? Yes. Like, it's so much easier to, like, be productive and and push and, like, do what you need to do if you know, like, downtime is coming and you will get to, like, rest and recharge. Yes, it's when it feels like it's just... Never happening. Never ending. When it feels like it's... When it feels like it's always going to be the same. Yep. Is when we tend to give up. That's why self-care and vacations matter. Why do you think we had so many solemnities? No, I know. That is a like a, a buzz like factoid, I feel like. That like we have fewer days off than medieval peasants, but it's like, oh, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Not wrong. There are multiple would... times a year where they just didn't work for eight days straight. Mm-hmm. And bless them is all I have to say to that. Yeah, because it was some local patron's feast day. Yeah, and or I'm so... even thinking about like the Easter and Christmas octaves where they were just like, "Yep, yeah, no work, no work for a week. Too important. Got a party. Got a party, which I love." 
yeah, no, I feel like that's, that is something I'm, like, learning to appreciate, is, like, regularly scheduled breaks. Yeah. And, like, I think part of that, like, is important, like, to get out even of, like, obviously, like, you can't, like, go on fancy vacations all the time. But, like, getting out and going to another place, I think, is also really important. Because, like, if I'm in my house, I can find things that need to be done. You know? Yes. So even weekends end up not being restful. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, have you seen the state of my baseboards? Gotta get on that right now. Yeah. I, too, look at my baseboards and get distraught about their state. To be fair, I've got other... I the general concept, yes, of like, but I need to clean. Yeah, no, that's just the thing things. I noticed today, where I was like, "Good lord, have they always looked like that?" Probably, because yeah. no one cleans their baseboards. Um, false. I have vivid memories of crawling around with a magic eraser cleaning baseboards in my childhood. <sighs> <laughs> so false. Yeah. We didn't do it often, but it did happen. Yeah. I feel like just thinking about, like, the taking regular breaks and going on vacations. For me, all of that's always really hard because I feel like I need to, like, for instance, taking a week off for Thanksgiving. Like, I feel like because I want to take those two extra days off, I need to, like, work extra hard next week. And, like, work on Saturday to, like, quote-unquote, justify taking it. Yeah. No, it's really don't... hard. Yeah. Especially, well, like, in academia. Yes, because I feel like, for me, it's like I'm afraid of being seen as lazy. Yeah. And, like, I feel like there's, like, such a culture of, like, if you're not there all the time, then you're, like, not doing enough. And that's... Not working for me. It's not working for me either. And luckily, our lab has a good culture about that. Um, like, we do a pretty good job at not being people who are, like, there all the time. Which is important, yeah. Which is important. Because, yes, there are people who, like, there are labs that have that kind of culture. And I'm just like, can't. I can't do it but yes I've noticed I feel like the Lord's trying to tell me something with that because I feel like I've been noticing more and more the past couple weeks moments when I'm like I'm letting fear of someone like judging me decide how I make this decision right now um because like two weeks ago we had a visiting speaker who works at a medical communications company, um, which, you know, science communications is something I'm thinking about. And so I, I got to campus. The talk was at 10. I got there a little bit after like 9.30, 9.45. And instead of just walking to the place where the talk was going to be, with my stuff, I convinced myself I needed to go to the office and drop off my backpack, which is on the opposite end of campus, and then turn around and go back to where the talk was, because I, quote, didn't want to, like, carry my backpack around with me. 
But I realized after I had like dropped off my backpack and left that really I had just gone to my office so that my office mates would know that I wasn't that I was in fact there. I was just at a meeting and not at my desk. Yeah. Because I I didn't want them to think that I was getting there at noon. Even though they wouldn't have actually cared if I got there at noon, but I needed them to know. Yeah. That I was in fact there. And what kind of bologna sandwich is that? And fun things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I totally get it though. Because I feel like there's a lot of pressure to like be there the most and like be there first or last. That's a big one. Yes, being being, being afraid to be night. being yeah. afraid to be the first one to leave work. Which I felt like used to be more than it is now. It helps that now I have like uh like yesterday, like I had to leave work at four o'clock because I had a bar class at four thirty that I needed to go to. And I was like, Well, I made sure that I finished what I needed to do and I have another commitment, so I am going to go do my other commitment now. And I feel like, in general, having outside commitments has also helped a bit with not having my entire identity be in my lab work. Yeah, Because it's also really easy to get just, like, really insecure about your work at least for me I don't know about you I might be the only one who is like um yeah I think like too it's really easy to like feel like if it can't go on your CV there's no point in doing it in grad school yes like I feel like I've wasted a good chunk of my time in grad school because there's going to be, like, a two-year stretch that doesn't have a publication in it. Yeah. And therefore, I'm a subpar graduate student. Um... But yeah, no, and I think, like, like the other day you even sent me a text that you were like, what part of my CV should this go on? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> we're putting this on our CV? I, I thought this was just for love of the game. I mean, it is, but I don't know. I did have a meeting with a lady in our career development office like a month or two ago just talking about um, like stuff that I was thinking about for like the next stage of my career and things and we were talking and then the last I don't remember what exactly we were talking about but it was like in the last 10 minutes I mentioned something about like having a podcast and doing some like writing stuff and she was like you should have led with that like, why did you not lead with that information? Like, that's the stuff that, like, people are going to think is interesting and is going to make you, like, stand out and stuff. And I was like, I'm sorry. 
I didn't think, I didn't think in science doing things that weren't research. Like, I spent my whole life thinking research was the only thing that matters for my professional career. So it's like I don't value the other things in my life that, you know, if that attitude was, like, taken away, I would actually, like, value a good deal. Yeah, but I I don't necessarily think they need to be on your CV for you to value them. You know? Like, I'm not saying, like, you're wrong. I'm just saying, like, I don't know, like, does it have to go on the CV? Is that the only way we can show that we value stuff? Like, No, that's not what I'm trying to say, I don't think. Uh, Although, I mean, I do think there's something to, like, Needing it to be, needing something to be recognized in order to find value in it is definitely, like, a struggle I have. Because um, you're an Enneagram 3, man. I'm an Enneagram 1. Are you? I had a thought so. I don't think Last so. Last time I checked, I was. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, see, now you and... Randy can have a nice conversation about that because he was pretty convinced I'm an an Enneagram one. That's fair. But I'm the one who taught him everything he knows about the Enneagram, so. Okay, well, you look up what an Enneagram three is then. I know what an Enneagram three is, man. I'm ready. Well, what is it? They're, like, okay. They're very into, like, doing, like, lots of projects, Um, Like, they love new ideas, and they love, like, doing, like, um, they love, like, doing, like, not artistic, but, like, more creative things. Uh Uh-huh. But rather than, like, the four also loves creative things, but they love them, like, exclusively because they're, like, different and new. Um, And threes just want to be, like. They're very invested in, I feel like I'm not selling this very well, but trust me, you're a three. Um, threes are very invested, like, in being someone who is, like, I'm not selling this well. My brain is pickled in estrogen. Um, <laughs> like, um, they look at groups and say, like, what does this group need? Like, what skill can I develop to be valuable to the group? Ah. Uh, Does that make sense? Yes. Um, and they're kind of like, I'm a two, and that's similar in that, like, I look at each at individual people, and I'm like, what can I give this person so that I am, like, helpful and beneficial to them? But threes do that, like, on a group scale. Like, what does this group need? And, like, how can I provide it so that I can be, like, helpful to the group? If that makes sense. Yes. Um, But they love being, like, in their unhealthy state. They love being, like, validated um, for what they do and, like, what they bring to the group and, like, the things that they can accomplish. 
um, they're like the super, and they're like super unhealthy. They're like the the really stereotypical like Instagram person. Um, they love like social media likes because they want to feel like what they're doing is like good and validated um, mm. and important, and they want people to like see what they're doing and like appreciate it. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. You're making a face. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> That's how you know it's you. I know it's me. <laughs> but I thought for sure I was a one. I felt like I took a quiz and everything. Uh, what do threes go to in health? Hold on. Let me look at the wing. Because you might go to a one in health. Which like, would be you... nice because it would mean I'm healthy. Yeah. And not unhealthy. Let me go. Let me go. Oh, no, I want to load the picture. Looks like threes go to. I don't know how to read this. I'm going to let you read it. It seems like threes go to nines. If I'm reading it correctly. No, you go to a six when you're healthy. You go to a nine when you're stressed. Oh, okay. So when you, when you're healthy, you go towards a six. Um, and sixes are really like protective. Um, they have a lot of plans. Like they, they know how things are going to work out and they've thought through it and they're really good at like, like planning things Mm -hmm. and, and having like more long-term thinking other than just like, this would look great. You know, like this is a cool thing to do. Like, this is fun. Like they're more about like, let's think through and make it work. Um, and so they're, they're really into like longer term planning and like more like goal, like longer term goals is something that like when you're healthy, you grow into um yeah if that makes sense and then when you're unhealthy you go towards nine which means you sort of try to like in in you're so you become so invested in trying to fit into the group that you like are willing to give up your like your own personal opinions just to like make people happy you become really people pleasing (laughs) (laughs) me a lot of my childhood we're not yeah. doing an entire episode psychoanalyzing me. We're, we're not going to. I'm just explaining the Enneagram. <laughs> One day we will do an Enneagram episode. But yeah, no. So you become, like, super people-pleasing. And you're really willing to, like, go with whatever, like, the strongest, like, personality says. And so, yeah. But when you're healthy, you get really good at long-term planning. And, like, That's seeing, good. like, alternate paths. And, like, being able to pivot well and being like, well, that didn't work, but, you know, we're going to go to plan C, which I've already thought about, and this is how it's going to work. And it's going to be awesome. Hmm. I don't know. This is where things like the Enneagram get... Because, <sighs> I mean, I don't think anyone fits super neatly into one box. But I do think the Enneagram is the one that best allows for the fact that people don't fit neatly into, like, perfect boxes. 
I mean, sure, but... I don't know. I feel like I've bounced around a lot between, like, one, two, and three. Because I am a very, like, principled person, and I'm a very perfectionistic person. Like, I want things to be good. I don't know. But that's also, like, a super big three quality. But so then how do you know the difference? Why, why do you? This has turned into a psychoanalyzing episode, and I don't know how I feel about it. But the difference between a one and a three, they act really similar, but, like, their reason for, like, why, why they're doing things are different. Hmm. Because, like, ones get really attached to, like, particular ways of doing things. Whereas threes are more like, this is what needs to get done, and I'm going to figure out the best way to do it. Rather than ones are like, this is the way to do it, and this is the only way to do it. Oh, yeah, that's not me. Yeah. That's something that drives Randy crazy. Because, like, I don't use a recipe hardly ever. Yeah, that's Recipes. a thing. <laughs> Are you just saying that because you want to convince me? No. <laughs> Recipes for the most part are loose guidelines, unless right, it's that's baking, like the, and the then I do thing it. About threes is you know what you want, and you have like a general idea of how to get there, and you're just gonna do it, and you're gonna figure it out, and that's good. Whereas, yeah, ones would have a freak out if you deviated from a recipe. That's not to be done. <laughs> What's your Enneagram, Mary Grace? I'm a two. Ah, okay. So I'm the helper. That makes sense. So what I have to be really careful about is not approaching relationships being like, what do you need? What can I give you to make me indispensable to you so that you will love me? Mm -hmm. Because deep, deep down, I'm convinced that like no one loves me because like I just exist. Like I have to provide some value. To, to each individual person. Oh, but, I mean, I do, I do too. It just comes out in a different way. Yes, it comes out in a different way. However, um, it does mean that I'm really welcoming and I'm really warm. Um, I love, like, having company and people over because, like, yeah, I just like making people happy. That makes me happy. Um, but, yeah, I, I bake a lot. <laughs> I bring baked goods as gifts. Um, you do, and it's very appreciated. It's because I'm a good baker. Everybody has to have a talent. Um, or you can just be me and have a lot of, not have a lot of talents. That sounds really prideful. But you have a lot of I things think, that you find interesting that you develop. Yes, I do a lot of different things. Another thing I learned when I was updating my CV this week was I was like, I have done a lot. Yeah. No, and it's, yeah. You, you you are more likely to develop a larger range of things than I am as a two. Not that I don't have hobbies. 
I don't remember what any of them are since I started graduate school, but I did have hobbies one day. Um, and I believe that I will have hobbies again. Um, you just, we just need to give you a healthier graduate school experience because, well, to be fair, it took me a little while to get, well, I mean, it took almost having like a mental breakdown for me to be like, okay, what are the boundaries I need to be setting here? And what are the things I need to keep in my life to like, keep me yeah, and it's, like, it's just Normal one of those insane. things that, like, my program, like, in my project, I have, like, these areas of, like, super intense, like, work, and then I have areas, like, time periods where it's, like, yeah, I got nothing going on. So I feel like mine is just, like, more intense in seasons, and then it's, like, less intense in seasons. So it's kind of up and down a lot. But, yeah. There's a really good album by sleeping at last. Mm-hmm. On the Enneagram? Yeah, or they take yeah. they wrote, wrote a song for each Enneagram type. And apparently whichever one makes you cry is your Enneagram type, but the two didn't make me cry. Like it was like a deep sense of like, yeah, that's me. But honestly, like the eight made me cry. I felt like they could all make you cry under yeah. the right circumstances though. So I don't that's think fair. that's the best metric. No, it's this not the is... best method, but, like, the eight made me cry, because that was, like, one that I don't understand, because, like, they're really, like, large and in charge, and that's not how I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I don't know, like, getting kind of, like, a look into their, like, headspace, I was like, oh my gosh, they're people, and they're hurting. We're all people. We're all people, and, and we're hurting. All hurting. Yeah. We're all people. We're all hurting. None of us think we're good enough to be loved. That's the human condition. Pretty much. And the premise of the Enneagram is there's pretty much nine ways in which you can con- you can be convinced you're not worthy of love. Which one is it? Which one is it? Which childhood trauma did you suffer? I've learned that's not the right way to sell it to people. Because I said that to somebody the other day, and they were like, okay. I don't want to think about my childhood trauma, thank you. Except I'm okay with it. I've been to therapy for a few years now. Very very comfy dealing with trauma. Gotta love therapy, it's my fave. What else is going on? We have talked for an hour about nothing. <laughs> My job it's here okay. is done. <laughs> I've I've been on uh, I've been on I haven't been on any other podcasts. I have like listened to other podcasts where they ended up just being banter for an hour or so. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. This is where we are today, folks. This is where we are. We we like vaguely touched on a topic about like rest and rest. And how it's important. And you should take the whole week off for Thanksgiving. And not feel bad about it or try to do extra work the week before. It's good for you. Rest is important. It's key. No. I know it is. Yeah. And like being able to see it on like scheduled on your calendar, I feel like is powerful. Yes, I need to actually write it into my calendar. Well, 
thank you for listening. We hope you uh, found this conversation informative, at least a little bit. Or maybe if you're a three like me, apparently, just maybe you also felt a little bit attacked and that's okay. Um, you can email us your questions at femininegenius at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social media pages somewhere. Uh, I can't figure out how social media algorithms work, so it's feeling a little bit like a lost cause there. But, like, we're there. And please rate and review us on your podcast streaming medium of choice and tell your friends. And, and we'll see you next time. A genius. JP2 did call you a genius. Bye, guys. Bye. (laughs)